Welcome to Sattva Radical Wisdom. In this episode, Anand explores the true meaning of Tantra with Rachel Hunter, co-host of the spiritual podcast 1111 and presenter of Tour of Beauty. Okay, so I'm sitting here with Anand and his hat says Shiva Shakti on it. So we'll just go there with this, okay? Oh, wow, look at that. That wasn't um, planned. <laughs> it's because I just went on my bike. <laughs> And I asked him to bring a hat. I have many hats, so he bought this one. <laughs> Shiva Shakti. Yeah. So, the hot, the word tantra uh, really invokes a lot of um, um, what's acknowledged kind of in the West is sex, and a lot of the practices are are, are thought to be around that, or mostly actually around that. Um, can you speak to that? Because, uh, you know, going back to this, when I go back and teach, and especially with what I have learned here at Sattva, it actually has very little to do with sex. So can you speak to Tantra? You see, that's just a big misunderstanding. And... Uh, it's really taken out of context, this whole thing, and it's uh, it's so far removed from the from what tantra is. This uh, you know, kind of the marketing of tantra around tantric sex and all of that. I think it started from this, you know, when they the 60s and 70s, you know, when the original hippie movement and their people were beginning to come to India at that time, you know, taking their spiritual pilgrimages here. And they were running away from this puritanical religions, Abrahamic faiths and uh, an industrial world, which was very barren, and there was a whole thing about rebelling, and, you know, they had this, all this religion was controlling, and so was the establishment. So there was kind of this revolt against all of that. And when they came to discover this yogic teachings within that, obviously, you know, there was a sexual revolution at that time going on. People were experimenting with sex, with substance and all of that, isn't it? Mm. So as they asked about this, can, what about sex? And the answer was, what about it? You know, can we have sex and be spiritual? Of course, you can be, you can have sex and and uh, be spiritual. And you can use sex as a meditativeness, that there is nothing uh, wrong with it. So they found a very revolutionary approach to life, which included also every expression of life, which included sexuality as well. It does not, did not deny it. There was not a puritanical approach. So obviously when the... That got stuck, you know, that sex got stuck there. And so then this interpretation became tantric sex. So it was it's never been like that in the original intended meaning. Tan is uh, energy and tra is expansion. So mm -hmm. tantra really means working with the expansive potential of the manifest dimension of life. That's what tantra is. So it's a 
full-on technology, a worldview which is non-dualistic and plural, singular and plural at the same time. It is Vedantic, Upanishadic, it honors the Advaita reality. Advait meaning indivisible whole, it honors that. And at the same time, it is uh, also this worldly, speaking to the plural manifestation of that singularity and how to supremely exist here with bringing the absolute dimension of consciousness into the relative field of reality. Mm. So that's what Tantra means. It's a full technology addressing every sphere of human existence mm. from our physiology to our energetic system to our way of thinking to our belief systems, our knowledge base to our fundamental identity and our place in the world and our relations and all of it. Mm. So there is nothing that Tantra does not include or touch. And the, when we are talking about the teachings as far as practices go, when we are talking even asana for example, it is coming from Tantric teachers only because they are working with the manifest dimension. So it's about refining every expression of the being. So all these techniques of yoga are fundamentally coming from Tantra only, from Tantric teachers. When you are looking at even Hatha Yoga Pradipika, you know, it's a Tantric scripture. Do do you think like back in the 60s when people were here doing yoga that there was that um, realization that that unity inside because of all the different teachings with the mind, the body, the consciousness, the infinite, like that um, acknowledgement because you're so going into your own um, ecosystem, your own um, being that there, there comes that unitedness and therefore that euphoria happens within you um, that that went out and got acknowledged as um, and got confused in the West as sex as such do you know what you know what I mean yeah I, I mean I, it's again it's a, a you know one of the things with the West has been a reductionist tendency yeah the Western mind educated by the industrial model of education has developed reductionist tendencies. That's what the industrial education does to the mind. It teaches us to be reductionist. Yeah. And so it is very difficult to be mind conditioned by that knowledge, to be with an expansive knowledge, a holistic integrated knowledge. So when we are speaking of yoga as a whole, and yoga includes Santra, including Veda, Upanishad, all of that, this is the spiritual heritage of humanity which includes every aspect but it requires a radically different approach. It requires an approach which is uh, holistic, an approach which is integrated, an approach which is expansive. So reductionist tendencies always mislead us mm -hmm. when we apply that reductionist tendency to any supreme body of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does not support us. Reductionist knowledge is good if we are making a bicycle and there it can be helpful. But when we are look, talking about this deep spiritual knowledge base, then we have to change our approach to it. That being said, yes, there is natural. This experience of inner unity as the individual gains greater level of unity within themselves, gains greater integration within themselves, 
to experience greater ecstasy because that's what where li what lies beneath us. So naturally, that you know, often a lot of people who are practicing subtle practices of yoga, not just on this peripheral level of you know physical exercise and thinking that's yoga, but going to the deeper levels, they start to experience this inner ecstasy, this inner orgasmic state, which is you know can be far stronger and far greater than the merely physical, sexual experience of that. And on the other hand, also what starts to happen that we have seen and we have verified and from our own experience and also the experience of all the students, that naturally as you start to refine yourself, your sensory perception increases, your capacity to draw bliss out of life, mm. to experience that existential bliss that is our life instead of the experience of life as an existential burden, mm. that starts to happen, more and more existential bliss. And that naturally translates in your, uh, how you interact with uh, reality, how you, your experience with food, your experience with your own body, and uh, it can ex also in the experience of your intimacy. So of course it can also express there, but it is not just that, you know, that would be an extremely naive way to look at it. And that's the part, I think, too, with the Western world, is that we get very scared of intimacy. Yes. Right? I mean, to be intimate with... I mean, I've noticed even with just... Um, with, the, with the practices. I mean, you go in and you, you know, you want to be strong and in, in these warrior poses, and, and yet when you sit and you have a really subtle, like, the breath and the dynamicness that can happen within... Um, that breath is enormous, enormous. Um, I guess what I'm, you know, when you say Tantra, it has this very exotic sound and very kind of undulating sound and very kind of like um, primal. Um, um, feel to the word, I guess. As far as what it's made up of as practices is this is it as far as the eight limbs of yoga that is that is is it or because I, I guess what I'm saying is that some people can separate like the Tantra um, people have now separated from Tantra into just yoga yes it's, Do you know it's, what I mean? it's, it's, it's just a reductionist mind it's, it's a reductionist mind yeah. when that reductionist mind is directed towards anything, it reduces. It has done that to everything. It has compartmentalized life. My religious life, my professional life, my personal life, this compartmentalization of life is not how life is. Life is life. Life does not come to us in compartments. So this reductionist approach, which is a result of a industrialized conditioning, can never lead to holistic understanding. So they have done that, people have done that to yoga also. Mm. It's like, you know, taking a twig from the tree and calling that the tree. Or taking the motorcycle and taking a tire from it and saying this is the motorcycle. You can call the tire motorcycle, but it's not going to behave like one. It's not going to deliver you to that experience which, the, which, which you have been seeking through the motorcycle. Mm. Or somebody takes just the clutch plate and says, this is the motorcycle. Motorcycle does not exist independently. 
it exists as a system of all these parts. And all these parts do not have a value independent of that. They only come together and become a part relevant for our experience as they come in that form of a system together. So a tree is a tree because it has all that. What we call a tree is a system, an organization, a relationship. And that's what yoga is. It's a relationship of all these aspects. This whole idea of separating yoga, they say, okay, it's, it's from a deep misunderstanding. Mm. That's why we follow the, the way yoga in the Himalayan teachings, the way yoga was practiced and the way it is meant to be. The yoga by itself, the word means integration, unity. Yeah. And so it's very st strange that the word which means unity is dissected and separated and parts of it are just, you know, left, right and just thrown around. And uh, it, it has its limitations then. So here we follow all aspects. The, you know, the four fundamental pillars being the correction of intellect, our knowledge, jnana yoga, the going deeper into our rituals and opening up our hearts, connecting to the great elements through the bhakti practices, going into the yoga of deep meditation, layers of meditation, raja yoga, going into service, a life of evolution, a life of progressive realization, karma yoga. Then we learn all the techniques, technology which come within the umbrella of Tantra, where we are using Kriyas, coming from the Himalayan tradition, which are relevant, we're working at a very specific dimension of our being. Mm. And we use the Kundalini, yes, practices, and they work on a specific, and we work with Prana, which is so important, mm. breath, our connection to life in the relative field, and of course, with our physical outermost shell through the asana. So all aspects are used and they're all relevant within a certain parameter. And we have to address those. And that ultimately all this doing is a natural expression of our being. We are not doing to get somewhere. We are that and we are this. And this progressively realizing that is the greatest love story. That is the greatest intimacy. And there is fear in that, definitely. When this value, which seems isolated from the whole, this separate self, when it begins to realize its own infinite nature, the great pure awareness, it has resistance to it in the beginning. So mm. that shows up in our fear around intimacy and being intimate with ourself. So we always want to run away from ourselves. You know, all our activities are becoming an escape from self. Yeah, I mean, e even through, um, you notice through the breath work, anything, I mean, anything that comes up, it's like this big drama. I mean, I've come in many times to your office going, yeah, but, yeah, but, and you're like, and? And I'm like, but you don't understand, and? Um, the end part is just brilliant because it takes the, the drama away from it, which we get so... Um, attached to um, and when that drops away I mean it just becomes there's no limits it's just infinite like and and then something else arises of course and then you know you break through that door and then I mean that seems to be it's almost like the heartbeat of like your own of 
the infinite that you're connecting to, which gives that, that kind of undulating kind of rhythm that you're kind of breaking into your own frequency, which I guess is what's so seductive about the word Tantra, is that you're actually breaking into um, your own frequency and your own vibration. Yes, it is the path of ecstasy. Yeah. What we, this is a path of ecstasy. But it's like breaking through brick walls, like constantly getting in your way. Yeah. In the beginning, in the beginning when we have grosser tendencies, yeah. when our conditioning is thick, and the attachment to our egoic identity, the separate self is thick. There, when the light starts to pierce inside, there is a lot of resistance to it and mm. the drama is high in the beginning stages. <laughs> huh? But <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to have... Existence does not mind drama because existence has infinite space and with that comes infinite patience and infinite time is there. So ultimately, the result of all of this is supreme realization of self only. That's the purpose of all life. Yeah. The end of all life comes, from, comes to that, you know, deep realization. But it's natural that as we progress, as we... in time, you know, we are playing in time, ultimately we are timeless, but we are playing in time. Mm. And they're both relevant. You know, the timeless in time, is, it's an incredible ecstasy in that. And in time is change. And either we can change regressively or we change progressively. Progressive. Change is the constant. So it's natural that as we, you know, what we call awakening or illumination, these are, this is not an end game which is oftentimes presented that, oh, once I get enlightened <laughs> or once I was enlightened. This kind of, again, the same mental approach, you know, that same linear approach of playing the waiting room and once I get there and then I will be, it's built into a, a very strange concept, mm. you know? So it's a, as the Buddha said, awakening is not the end, it is the beginning. So in the beginning there is greater resistance, there is, there can be that strong fear and there can be a lot, you know, because you're letting go of a lot. Yeah. And then it starts to get subtle. And then you naturally start to stabilize more and more within yourself and progression keeps happening. Of course, you know, you maintain a certain level and then you, you progress to the next, you know. Evolution is the law of existence, you know. So at any moment you're either fighting the natural pull of the universe towards evolution or you are in alignment with that. Mm. If you're in alignment with the evolutionary impulse of creative intelligence, you are thriving. If you are resisting the evolutionary impulse of creative intelligence, you are suffering. So evolution continues. But that resistance that we experience, that starts to, you know, shed away. It's like even the mind, you know, when we start to get, even in the beginning when people start to just do the breath practice, they haven't felt that deep part of themselves and all kinds of feelings start to come up. Mm. But, you know, now we, you know, you are here, you've been practicing, you know that then as after a while with that breath comes this, you can't wait to go that deep, you know, because you are excited to say, what is going to arise now, you know, and yeah. you have now instead of you, the stuff arising, what you have is deeper experience of your own self and you have visions and there's this kind of inexplicable bliss that arises. It never gets old, you yeah. know, I've been, I mean, I've been all my life, you know, practicing for most of my life. It never gets old. And it's, it's also amazing when you do get to that, you know, get to another part of the breath where there is a, a resistance. It's almost like exciting when you get there because you know there's another layer to exactly. just keep going and keep going. 
there is no end. Yes, because that is an illusion, right? You yeah. you need it to end if you are trapped. That's only when end is relevant for you, you know. And so when you are in the flow, you're living the flow state, then you don't care for the end. Yeah. So the end is only relevant when you are not in the flow state. You know, you are in a waiting room and you want the waiting to end. So you're kind of waiting for it to end. But when you are in living in that way, you're not waiting. There is no end. There is just the eternal flow and this ever greater realization of self only. Mm. And it's a lot of times this mistake, you know, people misunderstand it, that illumination, that your realization of your that nature, of your cosmic nature, of your nature of pure consciousness, that that's it. No, I mean, you realize that. And, but you are still here and you're playing human and you're playing in time and you go to sleep and you wake up, you know, and there is your, you have these movements and you have prana. So it's the realization of that does not make this, your, your play here irrelevant. Mm. It actually makes it more relevant. That's when the play really begins. Before that, it's a struggle as in Tantra we say. You can either live this life as a dance or a burden. And life will always prove you right, whichever you choose. <laughs> can you go into maybe three things that people can just start with? First thing is, don't wait. Don't wait for anything. Find a teacher, I think it's very helpful. You don't have to do it alone, find a teacher. Doesn't have to be one person, it find a, somewhere you can go and learn. Now you have even online possibilities, but learn somewhere. And on the level of practice, start, to, start with your breath, start to work with your breath. That's a great, very accessible, you know. Start with 15-20 minutes. It doesn't take much. Start with that. Morning and evening. When you have been doing that for a while, then add meditation. Learn meditation. Mm. Don't just try to meditate without learning it because then you will find yourself not being able to meditate and then you will falsely start to believe that it's hard for you. <laughs> it's not. Meditate. And wherever you are, lean in the direction of expansion. Step out of your comfort zone. You don't stop living the ever-repeating known. Challenge yourself. Go out of your circle. Reach out. You know, there is a conscious movement happening all over the world. There is a... And this pain, even if you feel pain, if you feel lonely, if you feel isolated, you have to realize that you are not the only one going through that. Mm. There is people all over. And it's just, you know, a lot of time we see that this is symptoms of awakening. This is a call of your soul to, to change, to shift. So reach out, don't shut down. Mm. Reach out, connect, you know, create a Sangha and keep expanding with that. Because when you can, can you know, find a group of people, whether now we have technology, we can start to find that online when yeah. you start reaching out there and you start practicing together and have support groups, you start talking in that manner. This can you start to create a resonance. Yeah. And you start supporting each other and you start lifting each other up. And that's, I think it's very important for us 
individually and for our planet that we step out and we reach out and we lean and we discover each other and that's one of the beautiful things about living in these times space as a barrier to relating space as a barrier to knowledge space as a barrier to connection is not there anymore especially within the context of our planet if we use the technology wisely instead of being used by it mm. you know so start there and uh, and as you progress you know start to be bring in more and more mindful rituals in your life you know instead of we are people of rituals what are rituals or habits you know if you don't have conscious rituals you have unconscious rituals whether it is reaching for your phone first thing in the morning or playing candy crush laying in your bed waiting for sleep to come these are all rituals meaning things you do over and over again and the things you do every day start to shape your life what are you doing now consistently what you do consistently over and over again creates the ecosystem of your life right. so it's, it's of paramount importance that we pay attention to the small instead of just talking about our whole life don't think about your whole life start just look at your day mm. and try to bring in more conscious intentional experiences in your life bring in rituals bring in things which lift you up you know which are conscious which have a deeper significance to you instead of this mindless browsing that yeah. we are stuck in people are stuck in this mindless browsing mode which is creating havoc with our nervous systems creating you know isolating us and so on and so forth so so a sacred space like an altar absolutely it's creating a sacred space yeah. uh, creating a sacred space which is your space and you know you can it can look like anything it, it doesn't have to look like anything it doesn't right. have to look like a temple or a church or a mosque or it it's your space you know you have to claim your own sacredness i think that's very important you know we have forgotten because a lot of time we in our cultures all over you know we have taken sacred as if it is the copyright of religions yeah and religions you know historically we have seen we human beings really haven't had a very great experience success rate with that no they have really you know created this isolated identities and kind of created a copyright on truth and which is absurd mm. so i think it's very important for individuals around the world when we talk about religions we are not talking about the teachings there but the identity i think we have to transcend those identities and we have to claim our sacred yeah every individual has a mystery inside of them every individual is is the finite expression of infinity you know and within that finite expression you are in hiding infinity in plain sight in yoga we call it chandas yes that the dynamism hides the stillness and the stillness hides the dynamism all in plain sight so you are ultimately that infinite playing finite and you have to claim your sacred so creating a space in your where you it's your sacred space where you take time to be silent where you take time to practice just with your connect with your breath where you take time to just contemplate where you are just read a you know one page of a you know inspiring deeply thought provoking you know literature read yeah. not on a laptop or just take a book read i love that the mystery within it's so beautiful because so much of us just want to externally play out constantly for everybody to see what you are like there's that whole psychological i mean that's a whole other conversation but you know that that inner mystery within i guess helps it is found when you start connecting internally 
Um, it's beautiful. Yes, and that, you know, that mystery keeps... someone vomiting themselves all over you all the time, you're like, oh. And the mystery keeps revealing, you know, it keeps revealing and it is ever creative. We live in a mysterious, ever creative reality. Yeah. Our universe is a mysterious place and it is supremely creative mm. and it is supremely intelligent. We can see that. Why it is intelligent? Because we are intelligent. We are having a conversation, you can hear this conversation, you can understand it sitting somewhere. So we don't just come into the universe, we come through it. So if we are intelligent, it's very absurd to assume that the universe is inert. We live in a mysterious, intelligent, creative universe and we are an expression of it. So we have all these qualities. So as we get in touch with us, we naturally begin to realize these and we begin to radiate and express that effortlessly that unique song that you carry inside your soul. Beautiful. Starts to sing out, you know. Yeah. And at times it is, it is, it's, you know, we have to realize that easy and difficult shouldn't matter. Sometimes it might feel difficult, sometimes it might feel easy. And we have to mature up within ourselves and stop giving these two words so much value. Oh, it's difficult, easy. These are just positionalities within your own mind. Yes, your thinking makes it so. So go beyond that and ask yourself, am I willing? Mm. And is it possible? There's nothing that the human awareness and willingness cannot transcend. Thank you for those tips. Thank you. Thank you.